0: Hi everybody and welcome back to Opera Offstage. I'm Jesse, and I'm Michelle and today is the one year anniversary episode of our original issues in opera racism episode and we are going to do a look back over the past year and what things our industry has and hasn't accomplished and we're going to talk about some amazing projects that have started because of it and we're just going to really
1: do a deep dive into where we are now. Definitely. We had a huge push in 2020 for just advocacy all around in light of many horrific events. And it's very important for us to stay active and stay vigilant. And a lot of that has to do with checking in on, well, we posted a bunch of black squares a year ago. Where are we now? What's changed? What hasn't changed? What still needs to change? We have a long way to go, but some exciting things have happened this year. So we're excited to dive into some really positive work But before we get to that, we wanted to start off this episode with a new little segment, which we will call the Corrections Corner. Um, What I (laughs) imagine will not be our last segment of this. One of many future Corrections Corners. But Jesse and I definitely feel it's important that, you know, whenever we make mistakes or maybe misrepresent something that we go back and correct it. So... A couple episodes ago, we're obviously still in Pride Month, which was very spicy, but I was dumb and I mispronounced our very lovely suffragette and composer Ethel Smythe. I had pronounced it Ethel Smith, and one of our listeners said, hey, not quite right. And so I'm so glad that she let us know because, goodness gracious, these English names, but Ethel Smythe is the way that you pronounced our dear dame.
0: Yeah, and we want you guys to know that if you ever catch us saying something incorrect, either pronunciation or we misrepresent a fact or we're missing information that you think is critical to understanding something, always feel free to reach out to us and tell us. We do our best to do all of our research and take the time to learn the pronunciations of things, but we are always going to make mistakes. So we are happy to see that you guys are so engaged with the content that you and that you feel comfortable letting us know. So please. We'll do
1: as many correction corners as we need to, yeah, I think correction corners are a really good thing, yeah, because we're all learning <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure now that we've done this correction corner, everybody who's They're just uh, gonna pour has a in. good grasp, yeah of Russian and uh loving oh, languages gosh. will be coming for us rightfully, so as you should
0: correct. <laughs> In other exciting news, we are going to be bringing back our virtual events this July. We have been so, so busy, but we have really missed doing our watch parties and our game nights, and those will be coming back in July, and we are so excited to get to hang out with you guys again and play some games and watch some very fun operas and maybe a movie. Ooh, what
1: movie are you feeling, Jesse? I don't know. Are we Are we feeling, uh... oh gosh, what's the actual name? A little Pavarotti action. A little Pavarotti action. Yes, Giorgio.
0: But anyway, we're excited to get to join with you guys again and spend some time playing games
1: and watching a movie or an opera too. Absolutely. I can't wait. And if you're interested in joining any of our live virtual events, you can find those. Those are hosted through our Discord, which you can get to by clicking the link in bio on our Instagram, which is at Opera Offstage. If you're not already following us there, that's our main hub besides our website opera-offstage.com, so get connected with us there, and I'm super excited to bring these live events back. I've missed them so much. All right, let's get into the meat of this episode. The first thing that I kind of wanted to cover was just the general importance of checking in with opera houses and their progress, or lack thereof, (laughs) thus far. And as I was doing different research for, um, you know, just seeing where we were at with all of these main stage and smaller opera houses, I would say that one resource that I really heavily rely on for the information in this episode was sourced from the fabulous team over at Black Opera Alliance. If you guys are not already aware of them, they're definitely a group that you should be checking in with. Their work is impeccable. They are very, very detailed about the responses that came out in 2020 and basically everything that's happened since then. So if you want to go find out more information from them, you can find them at blackoperaalliance.org. You can also find them on Instagram at Black Opera Alliance. Their work is just impeccable, and it just felt like absolutely the right source to amplify for this episode. So Black Opera Alliance, basically in September 2020, released a pledge to keep people, companies, and organizations accountable on a mass scale. And this pledge was basically announced and sent out to many, many major opera houses in an effort to get people to agree and sign the pledge. And if you haven't read the pledge yourself, the pledge is extremely comprehensive and the eight major points I'm gonna briefly read to you about this pledge were number one, first and foremost, hire black artists who reflect at minimum the racial demographics of our most diverse communities for both outreach and main stage projects. Number two, require the administrative staff orchestra members and independent contractors reflect at minimum the racial demographics of our most diverse communities. Number three, program and prioritize works by Black composers on the main stage, especially those that feature storytelling true to the complexity and broad experience of Black culture. Number four, hire more Black creatives and production personnel at every level of the organization. Number five, Require that visual artists undergo training in successfully preparing a Black artist for the stage. This is especially true for wig technicians, makeup artists, and lighting designers. Number six, review the organization's hiring practices and administrative policies for inherent racism and or implicit bias. Number seven, review the board's recruitment culture and decision-making methodologies for inherent racism and or implicit bias. And finally, number eight, include within the company's official code of conduct a commitment to anti-racism and anti-oppression. This is the pledge that was signed by many major opera companies, and the team at Black Opera Alliance has also made it very clear that obviously one pledge is not one size fits all, and they have a team that is working with these staff and departments with these different opera houses to basically create their own pledge that still remains true to the heart of their pledge. And I think that this is excellent. You can definitely go ahead and read. There's much more contained and much more detail in this pledge that you can find on their website. But those are the main eight points that they make that really uphold the spirit of this project.
0: Yeah. I mean, ultimately, goal here is not necessarily, like you said, it's not about necessarily this exact pledge, but it's about creating goals that people can be held accountable to that are measurable.
1: Yes. And that is absolutely key. Dr. Durrell Akon, who is a project director and on the BOA Leadership Council, stated that historically, the lack of industry wide accountability has been a prime culprit in stalling substantive industry progress in the EDI space. This report shines a spotlight on how and where the sector is making gains. Now, what everybody was reacting to the just absolutely horrific murder of George Floyd in 2020. So many people, I mean, basically everybody made some sort of statement in response, right? But the problem is, is so many of those statements, which we reviewed a year ago, just had absolutely no real basis for change. It was a lot of it was just for show. A lot of it was just posting so that it was well and truly like thoughts and prayers. Like it just didn't. Yeah, like
0: so sorry which, for your loss. You know, there's nothing wrong with thinking and praying for people, but if if there's not actual action behind it, then it's pretty empty.
1: Yes, and a lot of these opera houses and organizations released. You know, we're listening. We're learning. Uh, these are the. Well, some people didn't even include steps, but those that did, a lot of them just didn't have things that you could really check in a year or that you could check and see whether or not they actually completed or were making progress towards in five years. So this pledge is so important because everything in here comes with very detailed instructions and the BOA has people that are working with these companies to basically lay out things that are custom to them. So I can't stress enough how amazing this pledge is. And it's really, really cool because in the BOA's April 2021 press release that just came out a couple months ago, they state, as of March 10th in 2021, 44% of opera companies in the U.S. have signed the pledge. 33% are in progress as they work towards signing. 19% have not responded and one company has declined to sign. Which, honestly, I'm kind of, I'm a little impressed That after a year we've made, we have 44% of opera companies. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say that I would think that it would be lower, but I mean, you know, 44% complete and sign and 33% who are in progress. Like, that's pretty impressive. That's over 70%. No, that's, honestly, I'm, I am surprised. It's kind of shocking. Especially because it, it really is
0: hard to get groups to kind of sign on to these kinds of pledges. Because, like I said, there is a realistic accountability to these. Like... That is the the amazing thing about the Black Opera Alliance is obviously they have taken charge of holding these groups accountable, checking in with them, making sure they're making the progress that they should be making
1: absolutely so
0: it is kind of surprising to me
1: i'm honestly even surprised that only one company has declined yes and if you're wondering who has declined to sign it is san antonio opera it would be texas in texas (laughs) you know i had to do a little bit more research because i remember something coming out i think the boa actually responded to why they were not signing yeah and i can't remember if their reason was damning or not but we'll have to do further investigation but out of all of the, the ones who, you know, have decided just to ghost them and not respond at all, San Antonio Opera is the only one who has outright declined to sign thus far at the time of this recording.
0: So in terms of who has already signed, we have the Chicago Opera Theater, Siegel Festival, Des Moines Metro Opera, Wolf Trap Opera. Shockingly, in March 2021, the Met actually signed this. We talked about the Met last year and how their statement was really wishy-washy and really lacked the firm goal setting that a lot of other opera companies had put forward. So it's kind of surprising that they agreed to this, but it's a good, I'm happy about it. Not surprised that it took them until March. Nope, not surprised at all. (laughs) But in contrast to the (laughs) Met Orchestra, who almost immediately put out actual measurable goals. And there are a bunch of others who are currently in progress, which is very exciting, and a bunch of others who actually have already finished their contracts. As we said, forty-four percent of opera houses
1: have signed. Yeah, that's a really big deal. I mean, the fact that over seventy, what seven percent, are either on board or are in progress is pretty pretty remarkable. I mean, obviously, it's easy enough to sign and then remain unactionable. So only time will tell. But from what I can gather from the work that the BOA is doing, is they're pretty on top of things. But
0: amidst all of this, we do have some groups who have, well, let's just put it kindly, they've been putting on a show without much substance. We've seen a lot in the past year from companies like corporations as well as opera companies specifically of performative activism. And a really good example of this is Central City Opera, which is right outside of Denver, Colorado. The Black Opera Alliance did a highlight of the progress that Central City Opera has made from June 2020 to June 2021, and it's just not that impressive. It's pretty (laughs) lacking, and Mm -hmm. Central City also released their roster of their new young artists, and there are no Black artists after they made a claim that they were going to try and improve their diversity, which once again is one of those things where if you say it and then it doesn't actually show up in your next season... Like, not even at the minimum in the season directly following the one where you made the promise. What are we supposed to expect from you long term? So when people, of course, started to call them out on their lack of action and their failure to even keep up with the bare minimum standards they had set for themselves, Central City, in the comments of their post after receiving lots of feedback and
1: questions about their dedication to learning, gave us this lovely quote. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with us. We do take your feedback very seriously. We certainly do not want to diminish the talents of the artists who were originally hired for this program in 2019. At the same time, we recognize we can do more to help our industry become more inclusive and equitable. This season, we felt it was important to honor contracts we already had in place with the artists assembled for the season postponed due to COVID-19. We didn't hold auditions for our Young Artists program in 2020, but we do have plans in place to increase promotional efforts for our auditions in fall 2021 in hopes of expanding the network of artists who apply to be a part of this program in the future. We are taking steps to become more culturally responsible as a staff and as a company, but there are many more steps to take in front of us. For more information about our IDEA work, please visit sensersityopera.org/idea. Again, thank you all for sharing your concerns. We value your voices as know this conversation, like the work, will be ongoing.
0: Okay, so let's so... talk about this a little bit. Number one, we all get that, like, there were contracts that didn't get fulfilled in 2020 because of COVID. However, the idea that you couldn't, that every, every single person was able to come back for their contract, though. Not a single one of them got a different job in the next year. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So you can go on Central City Opera's Instagram and see the lineup for yourself. And I don't want to pass any judgment to the artists who were rehired for this program. Sure, surely they're talented, but it's very overwhelmingly white. It appears, and I can't say this with any like real concrete information aside from people who know, people who have been accepted into the 2021 program, that there are a couple Latinx and Asian artists. But there are no black artists and they really don't, in this following comment, make any sort of, like, they don't address that there's a pretty significant lack in people of color in their roster. Well, they're also kind of passing the buck here.
0: Yeah, like. They're they're also kind of passing the buck by saying, like, in hopes of expanding the network of artists who apply to be a part of this program. They're like, well, we would have, but they didn't apply to us.
1: Yeah. Which is uh, pretty crappy. <laughs> yeah, the whole like, well, we just have to do some more Facebook ads, I guess. IDK. You know, it's like, what? Hey, Central City, have you considered offering specific
0: scholarships for Black Indigenous people of color applying? Oh, Jesse, Maybe waive that application fee?
1: They're not ready for that conversation yet. Oh.
0: <laughs> We're not getting into <sighs> that one? They should be there,
1: but I don't, think that, I don't think they're there yet. That's the
0: thing, <laughs> is like saying like, oh, we hope more people apply to us next time. Uh, that's not what we're talking about and once again like I said this is not on the artists who were rehired for the contracts they already had because the other thing is they're redirecting everyone to this page that is IDEA which is inclusion diversity equity and access which in theory sounds great I am going to now read from that page to you guys what they say on this page it says some of the work we have done over the past year and a half so 18 months and this is this is the bullet points from that page The creation of our Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Access Committee. By the way, there is nowhere on this website you can find who makes up that committee, who is a part of it, or what they're doing. (laughs) So you have no idea of what the makeup of the actual IDEA committee is. And then the next bullet point is ongoing training for our year-round staff. Doesn't say what the training is in, or who's doing the training, or what the training is about, or how often it's happening. Developing new community partnerships. Once again, no specifics. We don't know who they're partnering with, and their partners certainly haven't come forward and (laughs) said who they're working with, so we don't know. Expanding our programming to better serve our community in Colorado. That, those are, it just doesn't mean anything without context. Is it expanding it to use more diverse composers and librettists? Is it... Literally tells us nothing. it, It just, there's nothing there. Embarking on a new partnership program to increase opportunities for BIPOC students in technical and production roles. With who? Is it with a university? Once again, it, it just doesn't... They're not saying who they're working with or where it's happening or when it's happening. Yeah. Our board has started work on creating a new five-year strategic plan for our company with inclusion, diversity, equity, and accessibility as a pillar of this plan. So they've started to work on the plan. They're planning the plan
1: at the moment. For the past year and a half year and a half (laughs) so i think it's really important to know the language that they're using the creation of developing new embarking on has started work on none of this is worth announcing none of this is really worth announcing this doesn't really tell us anything this is all planning language and not something that you should necessarily be proud of that this is what you've completed over the last year and a half like this is what I would have expected to see a year and a half ago and the problem is like there's just not a lot here for us to really dive in if you want to go ahead and try it and defend or find you know their angle maybe they are doing more maybe they have made more progress but once again it's so important to keep your audience and your community up to date on the progress that you are or are not making and I don't know there's not a lot here for us after the past year and a half. So it kind of puts the whole, you know, roster for this year into much better perspective, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. For example, they have like a, a video series and everything that they've been working on and all of this other stuff. But it just, I don't know, it's frustrating to look at people who are not necessarily putting out concrete information and aren't owning up to that
1: fact. Yeah. And this is still happening all over the place from smaller companies to big companies who are very much in this advocacy for show state it's not specific to central city opera at all this is happening all over the place yeah we are picking on central city opera but this is a very clear example yes of what's going on on still a pretty large scale
0: yeah and I think that that really does highlight the importance of the work of groups like Black Opera Alliance and the importance of those specific measures and tenets and these pledges because it keeps people from doing this where they create these pages with this non-specific information and they redirect you to them mo- more so in the hopes that you don't look too deep.
1: Oh yeah, I mean when Jesse and I first were looking at this together, I literally <laughs> told Jesse. This page, go see it for yourself so you can see what we're talking about. We'll maybe drop a link. But this, the the effort and information that goes into this page is something that you would get your like unpaid intern to complete just for show, just for face, just so you can drop a link in a defensive comment on your Instagram. It's really just a placeholder. And also just note that they have a list of resources that have nothing really to do with their i d e a yeah response, so not a good look, not a good look,
0: which I guess brings us to some of the stuff we need to talk about about how how our idea of what the opera industry needs and how our advocacy has changed over the past year, because when this conversation started a year ago, and the conversation has gone on well before that, but we're talking about the most recent iteration. Over the course of the year, the scope on which a critical eye has been turned on our industry has expanded. Not for Black and Indigenous and people of color who have always been aware of the transgressions of the classical music industry, but for everyone else, their awareness and their eye towards the realities of what people were going through in an already difficult industry definitely were heightened. And we've seen a lot of conversations open up beyond just casting, beyond on-stage blackface or yellowface, but also, uh, you know, the reality of the demographics in Yaps, the classism inherited in the process of becoming a musician, the racist stereotypes that are very prominent in the opera canon, and how short so many of our administrators who are entrusted with cultural, you know, these massive cultural institutions have fallen short over and over and over again. And really how long that's been happening. Yep. And it it affects people across the board. It a, a conversation that started largely as people telling their individual stories has grown into a much larger movement. And I think another group, like the Black Opera Alliance, who has really captured a bit of this moment, is Dear White American Theater. Which is a group that is more so aimed towards Broadway, but has done a really amazing job of highlighting the inequalities across the spectrum of the performing arts. They have covered the need not only for the equitable representation of the people on stage, but also in all aspects of theater in the front of house and back of house on stage and uh, in the director's seats, in the producer's chair, in theater journalism, in artist management and in representation in general, which I think is something that we have to be more aware of is that it isn't just about the people on stage. You know, we need makeup artists and critics and journalists and directors and producers. We need people at all levels to reflect the actual makeup of our communities. Mm -hmm. And that is well within the demands of what the letters from Dear White American Theatre has made. So if you haven't seen Dear White American Theatre, I urge you to go on their social media, both on Instagram or their website, because they have really great, essentially a booklet, laid out of the very specific demands they're making of the theater. And I think for anyone who is questioning like what does this change actually look like? Just like Black Opera Alliance, these are the specifics of what need to change and it's very helpful to people who aren't sure what to ask for yet. Um the other interesting thing I think about Dear White American Theater is that it is it is a largely anonymous group that focuses on the collective over the individual. But their website is a great resource for specific and impactful demands to repair the broken theater industry. And I think when we talk about opera, we do have to talk about the theater world at large because we're all entangled with each other. Definitely. But they also have held a number of really important events where people have openly spoken about their their experiences as artists, directors, writers, performers, front of stage, back of house etc. and and how it has impacted them. So if you are looking for more resources, if you are looking to learn and to actually listen to voices of these communities, then I suggest that you go and start listening to uh, any number of the talks that they've been holding. But I think that is, looking back over this past year, one of the things that we have to recognize is that the problem is a lot bigger and a lot deeper than we expect.
1: Yes, often we feel like I feel like especially if you're not keeping up with news and opera news in general, it can kind of seem like things are headed in a positive direction, maybe faster than they are. But, you know, stuff goes on every single day. And I think something that's super poignant that just happened, I think, either today or yesterday, we're recording this on Tuesday, June 22nd. So now it'll have been a week old, but pretty yende had a run-in while in Paris. I mean we're talking about A-list artists. It's crazy. Yeah she was detained and strip searched at a French airport. I mean it's not crazy this stuff happens all the time but it's like I don't know it's just it's I don't know.
0: Yeah it's important to remember that like this is not isolated. It's not isolated to the U.S. it's not isolated to just unknown everyday people who still matter. It's everyone all the time. Yep. You know, one of the things that will get difficult moving forward from here is maintaining the level of attention that we have over the course of the pandemic. Because a lot of us have been either out of work or we've been, we've been in a place where we may have had more time to focus on things like this than we would have in the past. Opera houses were shut down. A lot of programs were shut down that are still coming back, which leaves us in an issue where we have to see how do we continue to pressure these industries,
1: these institutions? Yeah, well, it's interesting because, I mean, not only did we all have more time on our hands, but I think it was also an effect of because we were all so online for the past year because we were in quarantine and that's kind of like all we had to do, that layer or protective layer of privilege to have the option to not interact with it was greatly reduced or taken away entirely. So we had to really look at some really heinous things going on that have been going on for a long time and we're forced to really deal with them on a mass level. Many people for the first time. Yeah. And like I said,
0: it's so much bigger than just artists on the stage. Like I said, it's easy for us to point out CCO and say, look at their roster They aren't doing the work, but it goes deeper than just the young artists. It is the directors, the administrators, every person who works in that house. Because as we know, representation is a lot bigger than that. Being able to sit down in a makeup chair and have someone who knows how to do your hair without wrecking it is a privilege.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Having someone have the correct color tights for you and the correct color makeup for you already available so you don't have to bring your own is a privilege. Yeah. Having a director who understands the cultural context of the show you're actually doing, isn't something that happens.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's go a little bit into some uh, ways that we can continue to maintain advocacy after the pandemic to, for many of us, fight, (laughs) you know, the privilege that we have to maybe not interact with this on a daily basis.
0: I think the first and foremost thing you have to do is keep, keep these things in your daily view, which is hard. Nobody likes to be constantly confronted with the bad things that happen in the world, the bad things that continue to be perpetrated against people who don't deserve it. But it's important that we don't just let ourselves be distracted. So it's important to follow accounts like White American Theater and Black Opera Alliance, Janae Bridges... Your choice of of people who you think are doing the kind of work you want to see in the world and keep them in your view. Set up so you get notifications when they post and look and read and stay a part of it and make sure that the people in your life are aware of it too. Talk about it. Don't let these things just slip past. And even larger than that, just take a look at the whole consistency of the accounts you follow in general. Look up makeup of the things that you are putting in front of your face what you spend your money on and on the note of money make sure that you're setting aside a little bit of money for the causes that you believe in and it doesn't have to be a lot even if it's just like five dollars a month it matters more that it's consistent than it does how small it is and giving money every single month is one of those things that it sets as a reminder instead of dropping you know fifty dollars once $5 for 10 months is a more important reminder of what you're there to do.
1: Definitely. And check in with your own plan of action, which uh, can feel a little uncomfortable. But I mean, if you posted a black square a year ago, what have you been doing since? We talk a lot about keeping organizations accountable and artists accountable. But, you know, accountability also comes down to you as an individual And just in the same way that, you know, people sign the BOA pledge or come up with their own plans of action, we also need our own individual plans of action. And as far as it
0: goes for those of us who are in the opera industry and musicians specifically, it's important that you take time to look at some of the companies you plan on working with and auditioning for. It's okay to set a standard and not apply for every company. I know we all feel the pressure to get chosen by some of these groups, but question the fact if you really want that name on your resume, if they're not willing to take the bare
1: minimum steps towards equity. Yeah. You hold a lot more power as an artist than you expect. Yeah. And I think some of the questions that were brought up in light of the, you know, renewed contracts of CCO, you know, what, what is the responsibility of the artists themselves? You know, if, if the, place that you're going to be a young artist for is just making really unactionable claims and is but on the other hand you know claiming that they are trying to listen and learn like some of that responsibility falls on you as an artist whether you want to accept that or not yeah i mean
0: that's the thing is like as much as it's frustrating to not feel like you have the power in your industry, there are things that you have power towards and one of those is is the groups that you support and the groups
1: that you try to work with. For so many of these companies that are still in progress of working towards, you know, being in a better place with their diversity, equity and inclusion work, you know, this can be as simple as, you know, before signing your contract, emailing, you know, some of the head of staff or emailing before you audition and say like hey what have you guys been working on I just want to check in I'm really interested in your program and I want to know like what are the steps you've made like it can be as simple as that it doesn't have to be this whole thing of like well dang now I have to cancel my contract because you know I have to do this like just open the conversation yeah initiate a conversation to know what you're getting yourself into and whether after you have that information available to you whether you want to be involved
0: To get that question, to get the question of what are you doing to work towards these ideals from a bunch of young artists, from a bunch of audience members, from a bunch of amateur musicians who participate in this industry, putting that pressure on an opera house to have to answer that question over and over and over again does make a difference. It makes them aware that people aren't going to look away and be distracted. You don't have to be aggressive. You don't have to be pushy or rude or any of those things. You're just asking a question that is entirely within your right to
1: ask. Within your right to ask, but also something that they should have an answer for. Absolutely. Even if it's not the answer that you are the most happy with, they should have an answer. And if they refuse to answer, take it as a sign, baby.
0: Yeah, don't get in a three-month contract with a racist company.
1: Not in 2021.
0: Non 2021. We're not doing it. 2021 is the year of having appropriate boundaries with people and with companies. And then we get to a really complex question which is what do we do with some of the opera canon and first and foremost i have to say for those of us who are not being represented by these works it is not our job to decide it is our job to listen and not to be the decision makers when it comes to those issues because it's not us who who are being represented it just isn't because i know i know a lot of us have opinions on on what to do with some of these older works but the reality is is it doesn't affect us yep It really doesn't. It really doesn't. And last week, we had a really great conversation with Spencer Britton, who brought up a great point about this specific issue, which is that a lot of the tension around this can be resolved by seeing more Black, Indigenous, and people of color in positions of power within the opera community as directors, as diversity coordinators, consultants, who will not only do what they will with the opera canon, whether it is reinvent or decide not to put on another Madame Butterfly or simply to make the creative decisions necessary to make the opera comfortable for the performers and to take that pressure off of individual artists of color who are often forced to represent the opinions of an entire community or make bad representation okay because they agreed to a job. Mm -hmm. A lot of that is alleviated once again by making better hiring decisions across the board in these companies.
1: Yeah and I think that's so important because you know, obviously each and every artist is entitled to their own opinions and the way that they personally would feel most comfortable on handling these really tricky situations. But an individual artist should not have the pressure of, you know, having diversity, equity, and inclusive inclusion education to make those decisions for an entire production. Like that should just not be That's obviously not going to be a part of their contract. They're not going to be paid to do that work or make those decisions. And so they should never be put in that position in the first place. Yeah.
0: I mean, one of the things that we had, we discussed in our talk last week is that like intimacy coordinators, there do need to be cultural coordinators whose job it is specifically to navigate some of these issues with the company as a whole, with all of the performers involved and with the community. But that it is a job and it does not need to be put on the individual artists who are simply there to perform.
1: Yeah. And uh, aside from these very problematic misrepresenting works, you want to tell them what else could solve this problem, Jesse? Oh boy. Has anyone heard of New Music? Have we considered
0: not putting on old racist shows and actually just doing new representative works by composers and librettists of diverse backgrounds? And not just the tragedies.
1: Not just the tragedies. That's very important.
0: That's the thing. It's like it doesn't. We also aren't here to shoebox people in into the stories they're allowed to tell. We are not here for tokenism. We are here for real representation, but we really just don't have to necessarily even be rehashing these conversations because we could be putting on new, interesting, modern works.
1: Yeah. Wow. This reminds me of the time we decided our new theme for the year was going to be new music. And now we're circling back like six months later.
0: Shocker. New music. It's a good thing.
1: Remembering why new music is is a solution to so so many issues we have in the opera industry and you know what on the note of new music
0: we've talked a lot uh, about some heavy issues and some things that are not easily resolvable and won't be but in the midst of all of this stuff we do have some wonderful news (laughs) about some of our good friends so first up a lot of you guys remember that last year we talked to tona brown the first black transgender woman to headline at Carnegie Hall. So Tona is going to be playing Hannah after in Laura Kaminsky's opera As One with the Lowell Chamber Orchestra. For those of you who weren't at our watch party last year where we actually watched As One, it is a woman's story of transition. And so she is going to be doing her first role as a transgender woman as a transgender woman. And we are so excited for her and we are so excited to see it. We love new music and we love Tona, so we're very excited to see that. And we've also big friend of the pod Jens Ibsen just premiered a new whoop, whoop. <laughs> just premiered a new string quartet called Overdrive with the Jack Quartet, which is a metal fusion piece. You can actually see the video of it on his social media or on our Discord. It is a very cool piece and we are very excited to see him getting his music performed. Lots of exciting things happening. And also, another friend and guest of the pod, Justin Werner, who you might remember from our management episode last fall, is now joining the faculty of Manus Opera as an artist manager in residence, which is super cool and is like such a double whammy of like, One of the things we talk about with education a lot is that there's not enough reality of like the world of business that goes into it. So having Justin, who is a amazing artist manager, there to actually advise the students is going to be so good for them. So anyway, those are just a couple of the really great things that have happened this year for close friends of the podcast. And
1: we couldn't be happier for them. Yay. Yes. It's very, very exciting to see joyful projects and people succeed. Another thing for celebration is this information is once again provided by the BOA, but just a short list of five recently appointed Black administrators who no doubt are going to make great strides and change in the opera industry. Number one, Marcia Sells, who is now our chief diversity officer at the Metropolitan Opera, which freaking God bless, I think she's been there since February 2021. So she's probably what, like five months in now? That probably has to do with why they finally signed the BOA um, contract now that I think about. You know, see how these things work? That timing! See how these interesting things work when you have diversity? How interesting. Um, Also, we have Afton Battle, who is the general director at Fort Worth Opera. Karen Slack as artistic advisor for Portland Opera. Man. Can we just talk about how powerful... Karen Slack is truly—it's insane. <laughs> she's just one of those artists that I look at, and I'm just like, you could spit in my face, and I would thank you for it. I would thank <laughs> you for your wisdom. <laughs> she's so cool, incredible. She's so cool. She I really not with her.
0: Like she's just got such an infectious energy.
1: Damian Jeter, who was appointed also artistic advisor for Portland Opera, so awesome. Go Portland! Last on this list, but certainly not least, Larab K. Payton, Administrative Specialist Coordinator for the Lyric Opera of Chicago and Founder and Artistic Director of Hearing and Color. This is a very short list. You can also check out the BOA Instagram. They have a list of um, recently appointed Black conductors, Black directors, and you can find the social media links to all of these artists on their Instagram That's our year in review on
0: this subject, and obviously we once again talked about a lot of promises and not necessarily a lot of substantial things quite yet, which is not surprising. There is a lot of restructuring going on within our world right now after a year of largely no performances, which means that this next year... Now that we have all of these groups that have agreed to these plans matters quite a bit. And it is important that we keep ourselves aware and attentive and that we do not allow ourselves to slip back into that apathy, into our ability to look past it if it doesn't affect us directly. And that we also hold up and celebrate the wonderful things that are happening. That we celebrate and financially support groups like Black Opera Alliance who are doing the hard work of holding
1: these groups accountable so if you guys have any comments questions corrections things that you want to let us know you can send us a dm at opera offstage on instagram or facebook or you can email us at opera at gmail.com and we will take a look at it and thank you guys for listening i want to say that this maybe wasn't even necessarily like a review but a check-in And we'll continue to do these types of episodes and continue to provide you guys with more coverage. Like we said, Black Opera Alliance, their work is wonderful. Please go check them out. Please donate to them. We will try to include all of the links in our show notes for you to go and view and review for yourselves. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.